The myth of the strong leader. The greatest need for creativity is found where human misery is at its worst. For nearly three months, global attention has focused on the dreadful battles being waged in Ukraine. Commentators struggle to find actions that would bring a halt to the bloodshed. I find it hard to offer an opinion about the outcome and turn to historical writings for new ideas. The Second Coming by W.B. Yeats is a short poem capturing feelings in the aftermath of the First World War. It remains gloomily topical. Its first lines describe a world spiralling out of control into unleashed anarchy. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The centre cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. The poem continues with religious imagery to suggest the end of days is arriving, but the second coming is of a beast which slouches towards Jerusalem. Later, the poet confirms he was writing about the arrival of the time of anarchy and the Second World War. Stories of the atrocities in Ukraine continue to fill the headlines. A recent article in The Conversion, a serious discussion site, captures the general profile of the Russian leader Vladimir Putin. He displays an apparent lack of regret or remorse for his unethical decisions and the negative effect they have on innocent people. He also fails to accept responsibility for negative outcomes and typically blames others when something goes wrong. There's much evidence which points to the conclusion that he has worrisome antisocial tendencies. This is visible in his behaviour towards political rivals. An example is the poisoning and imprisonment of the opposition leader Alexei Navalny earlier this year. The callous disregard for due process and Navalny's human rights is consistent with dark personality traits. With a few notable exceptions, most popular books about entrepreneurs and subsequent leaders of successful business empires provide accounts which lavish fulsome praise on their central character. Donald Trump, with characteristic modesty, arranged for the journalist Tony Swartz to write his memoir, The Art of the Deal. Others are happy to do it for themselves. Only recently has there been interest in what has become known as the dark side of leadership. To go more deeply into the character of Vladimir Putin, I have drawn on the book The Myth of the Strong Leader. Its author, Professor Archie Brown, is one of the most distinguished political scientists of his age. He has been recognised after 50 years of diplomatic efforts in the Queen's Honours List for services to UK-Russian relations and to the study of political science and international affairs. As he writes at the outset of the book, a strong leader is generally taken to mean a leader who concentrates a lot of power in his or her hands. He goes on to explain the myth in the title of the book. The idea that the more power one individual wields, the more we should be impressed by that leader is, I shall argue, an illusion. Brown recognises that the strong leader is usually considered to be charismatic, but noted that the term charisma is used rather loosely, without reference to its ancient meaning of a God-given gift. I remember the way the term has come to have a less than heroic content. I even came across a description of a charismatic lettuce in an article about food. Since the term was popularised by the great German sociologist Max Weber, it has tended to be used in only a positive way. For Brown, charismatic leaders do either appalling harm or great good. 
He cautions us further that the term is not a fixed trait, but more a temporary attitude bestowed by followers. Often, particularly in politics, strong charismatic leaders may lose their glamour. The book examines a wide range of political leaders, including Vladimir Putin, who is not actually treated to a detailed biographic account, but nevertheless crops up in an interesting and revealing way. The first reference is to Putin's intervention in Syria. Now recognised as ill-conceived and ultimately a humiliating withdrawal for Russia after widespread devastation and human casualties. During the conflict, in September 2013, the use of chemical weapons by the Syrians led President Obama to demand that President Assad immediately hand over his stock or face American military intervention. In Brown's account, it was Minister for Foreign Affairs Sergei Lavrov negotiating with the Secretary of State John Kerry, who were able to achieve temporary US-Russian collaboration. Both Obama and Putin were able to earn political credit from the eventual success claimed for their nations. Incidentally, Lavrov is a survivor, retained by Putin, and now appears as his spokesperson, still likely to play a major part in future negotiations in Ukraine. He is regarded as a formidable diplomat rather than an apparatchik. Brown observes that as Russia moved towards a less repressive political structure under Gorbachev and then Yeltsin, the leaders began to distance themselves from the old Communist Party apparatus. Boris Yeltsin and Vladimir Putin each made much of the boast that they were president of the whole people and not shackled or tainted by party membership. This, Brown argues, whether knowingly or not, hinders movement toward democracy by devaluing the political parties within a system claiming itself a democratic one. We learn Yeltsin had a personality which fitted Russian notions of a strong leader. It was Yeltsin who was accused of predatory capitalism using the device of appointing billionaires. This was enthusiastically continued by Putin, who was to encourage Yeltsin's own departure by promises of immunity for him and his family. Brown considers charisma to be too heavily loaded a term for examining leaders into redefining or transformational types. To me, this is classification into outcomes or products. Of these, transformational leadership is by far the most widely used term in contemporary leadership studies. It's become regarded as offering a distinction between managers and leaders. Broadly, managers, according to that distinction, are functionaries, bureaucrats, if you like, and leaders are visionaries. There's more than a suggestion that creativity is part of a leader's attributes, but not of managers. At the time the book was written, it was still common to find the saying that managers do what they're told, do the things right, and leaders do the right thing. I never did like that dangerous dichotomy, and neither does Brown. His list of transformational leaders contains Charles de Gaulle, Mikhail Gorbachev, Nelson Mandela, but, as he points out, no British politician. Both Clem Attlee and Margaret Thatcher are used to illustrate redefining leadership. This less common trait refers to those political leaders who move the dial without bringing about persistent and major change. Attlee in the direction of the welfare state, Thatcher in the direction back towards the private over public ownership. In other nations, redefining leaders helped the overall transition of post-war Germany through to the newly departed Angela Merkel. And the maligned LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, began the shift towards civil rights concessions in America. I must not surprise here that Martin Luther King is not mentioned either in references to the civil rights movement here or elsewhere in the book.
Maybe the author's suspicion of the term charismatic reveals itself in this omission. Interestingly, he avoids identifying Churchill as an example of either type of leader. Instead, he classifies him as an example of the inspirational personality. This is accompanied by the myth-making image-building of totalitarian regimes. Churchill, he suggests, was the right man in a great crisis, but one perceived quite differently immediately afterwards in the post-war election, neither transformative nor redefining enough. Turning back to the war in Ukraine, Putin has become as much a mythic figure as Churchill. The story most powerfully transmitted around the world through Western media comes from Vladimir Zelensky the man who is himself becoming iconic and being hailed as the charismatic leader in the Ukrainian war effort. Zelensky's previous training as a professional film actor serves him well, as his own personal myth develops. In contrast, Putin matches Brown's examples of the totalitarian leader, who is assiduous in creating and preserving the cult of the strong leader, as a protector of their people. In this process, he inevitably has to remove any possibility of being wrong, as to err is human and weak. Isolation from views contrary to his own is inevitable. Sustaining the myth requires a level of self-deception and ignoring signals of error. This is the pessimistic conclusion of contemporary analysts. Or as Brown puts it, self-consciously strong leaders have a tendency over time to become still more impressed by their own judgment. They also tend to be afraid of nothing so much as being perceived to be weak or to have shown weakness. This helps explain how such so-called strong leaders lose their capacity of producing creative responses to the situations they have helped create. The explanations of the situation in Ukraine through Russian state channels does show a certain amount of ingenuity, a disregard of uncomfortable truths. The sinking of the flagship Moskva due to an explained fire. The retreat from the forces attempting to capture Kiev as conveniently ignored. Maybe there is still hope from the historians who have taught us how empires crumble from within. Or as a recent theoretical paper notes, dictators survive not because of their use of force or ideology, but because they convince the public, rightly or wrongly, that they are competent. Our paper shows that incompetent dictators can survive as long as economic shocks are not too large. Eventually, preservation of the myth of the strong leader becomes too costly for its survival. The quoted article comes from How Modern Dictators Survive, an informational theory of the new authoritarianism, written by Sergei Guriev and Daniel Treisman in November 2015, a few months before Putin's invasion of Crimea and his first incursion into Ukraine.